Welcome to another episode of the Ladies at UX podcast. I'm Maria Nozaki, Regional Director for Europe, Middle East and Africa at Ladies at UX and Chapter Lead at Ladies at UX Milan. In today's episode, we are going to meet Rachel McConnell. Rachel is a design leader with experience working for BT, Deliveroo, Clear Left, Unilever and Flow Health. She's currently leading content design at OVO. Over her varied career, she has had many different content roles, from strategy to design, and has created content for brands such as Virgin Holidays, John Lewis, Lois of London, and she's the author of Why You Need a Content Team and How to Build One, and Leading Content Design and Founder of Tempo, a community for content design leaders. Amazing, huh? Let's meet her, shall we? This episode was sponsored by Deploy.me, recruiters specialize in UX designers. Welcome to the latest Dutch in English podcast, a friendly, welcoming and collaborative organization of intelligent and curious women who push UX boundaries, develop skills and promote talent by supporting each other. Rachel, welcome to our podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you? Hello, thank you for having me. I'm really good, thank you. I'm super excited to talk to you today. So I would like to start from the beginning. How did you start? You decided you wanted to become a content designer. Yeah, good question. So I didn't start off ever even knowing what content design was or that it existed. I actually began my career after I trained as a journalist. I moved into marketing and brand. And then I moved from marketing into social media just when Facebook started. And that was probably maybe like 12, 13, or probably longer than that now, actually. Uh, probably quite a few years ago, showing my age. As part of that role with social media, I ended up writing blog posts and articles and being part of a digital team within a big insurance company. And at that time, we were creating insurance quote journeys. So the UX designers and UI designers designers and researchers and developers were all working together creating these journeys and I suddenly realized that there, there was a huge gap for someone to go and work with them work really closely alongside the UX designer and create the content that sat within those journeys and that was quite aligned to my role as a writer at the time I said you know why don't I come and join you and you know I can work with you on the copy and the content that sits within these journeys and interactions so that was really how I made the move into content design. At the time, I worked across six different product teams and they suddenly realized that they needed, you know, six content designers. They needed to multiply me and I ended up building and leading the content design team there. And that was really when content design started to emerge as a UX discipline. So as I said, that was more than a decade ago now. And since then, I've just been in sort of tech teams and product teams and uh, mostly leading and growing content design teams. Yeah. And helping content and design collaborate more effectively. So in your experience at various companies, how have you seen the role of content evolve in larger contexts of product design and why is it crucial for the overall user experience? One thing I would say is that 
Over the years, the tendency of UX and design has been very focused on how things work, how they're structured and how they look. And often companies forget about the importance of content, not just, you know, what things say, but how the content is structured, how it's organized, the sort of IA of, of the journeys, the hierarchy of messaging, and then the words themselves. And that could be, you know, thinking about tone of voice. It could be thinking about consistency of language and the terms used and that has often been forgotten about and I think what we often forget and I've seen so many companies think about good content as being a, a nice to have you know let's get the UX right let's get the design right don't worry about the content too much but actually it has a really huge impact on the user experience when we buy things or when we look at websites or when we go through services or experiences we actually think we're making rational decisions and rational choices but we're not we're often making irrational ones based on do I like this brand does it feel nice is it giving me a nice experience is it friendly is it warm and you know easy to understand and all of those things depend upon content so content elevates the design and it gives a sense of quality and if you don't think about the content and you forget about the content or you kind of think about it late too late on you actually don't get that sense of quality and experience that you would get from the brands that have really thought about the content and designed for the content rather than the other way around so actually what I've seen a lot in organizations organizations is they think about it as a nice to have but when they do actually start investing in content designers they really really start to see the impact of that and actually Microsoft so Kylie Hansen at Microsoft did a bit of a study on the difference between product design and teams with product design and teams with product design and content design and where they had a content designer they had higher NPS scores they had higher error resolutions they had higher conversions and that was all just from someone there thinking about the content and I've seen it myself I've been in companies where they're just rethinking about the content a little bit differently resolved issues with the journey improved conversion improved conversion massively by changing one word and I think once companies realize that and they realize the impact of content they want to replicate that everywhere so where I've seen it evolve is people have tried it out and they've brought in maybe one content designer they've seen the impact of that and all of a sudden those UX designers and product designers have suddenly started started thinking, oh yeah, I can really see how this can help me. We need more content designers. So the real successful evolution is where it almost has organically expanded because the designers on the team are advocating for someone to focus on the content and someone to think about the content. And when they start designing with content, they realize that it saves them time, it's more efficient, it's more effective because they haven't got someone coming in later on and saying, oh, you know, you can't say this or you don't need content there or why have you done it like this? So it's actually much much more effective when a content designer and a UX designer or product designer work together from the start. Once people have been through that experience, they then advocate for having more content designers involved. And that's, that's been a real step change is where people have started to think about content. They've really seen the, the value of it and started to increase the number of content designers that they have in their organizations. And how is it for you to adapt your content strategy to align to having like unique voices with different from brands how does it work yeah it's really interesting because it depends on what the brand is trying to achieve that will really determine how you approach your content so let's say for example the brand has an objective to be you know the number one in customer care or you know really customers first then they might choose to have like a more empathetic tone they might start to think about how do they use content all the way through their journeys to help and reassure and get customers towards the information they need as quickly as possible whereas there might be another brand that actually is 
more about exciting people and getting them, compel them to do something. So then your voice becomes a lot more energetic and a lot more dynamic and a lot more about compelling action. So it really depends what your brand is trying to achieve. Is it innovative brand that wants to make everything they do look more exciting and more future facing than it, you know everybody else? Or actually, is it more about kind of building a, a friendly rapport? And once you can get under the skin of what your brand's trying to achieve and what your users are trying to achieve, you can find that sweet spot with the voice and tone and then keep adjusting the voice and tone until you get that right. You filter that through the whole journey. So it's not just about having that right tone of voice in your marketing. It's about adapting that maybe through your onboarding or maybe through any sign up flows and then servicing and then renewals and all of those parts of the journey where you might adapt it, but there's still the, the sort of integrity of the brand is still there all the way through. And that's what a content designer will also bring is a skill to do that and adapt that voice and tone all the way through the journey. When it's appropriate, it might be kind of ramped up more, but when it's not appropriate, it might be dialed back. It's almost like a volume switch. And a good content designer knows how to approach that and what the strategy should be at each stage of the journey. Amazing. And as the author of why you need a content team and how to build one and leading content design, what motivated you to share your thoughts and your insights in book form? And what do you hope readers gain from your experiences? I wrote the first book because um, when I worked in big organizations, I was often doing a lot of explaining about the different types of content role and why you needed those different types of roles. So what a strategist did versus a content designer versus a content manager, and then why those roles were essential to allow your content to be effective across all points of the journey. For example, you might need a strategist to define the overarching brand strategy for content, but then you might need a content designer to work on interactions and things like information architecture, but then you might need a content manager to put things live into a content management system. So there's different specialisms that exist within content. And it, I really wish that had been the book that I'd had to give to my digital directors and say, these are the different content roles and this is why we need them and this is the value they bring to the business. So the first book was about having the book that I always wished I'd had to give to those organizations and educate them on content roles because often businesses know that they need content experts but they don't need what type of content expert they need and they don't know how to find them or recruit them or what kind of questions to ask them to make sure you're selecting the right people so that was the first book and then the second book I think after I'd moved through a few different roles doing operations and working in design ops and leading teams I had a lot of blog posts that were bringing together different processes or different frameworks or different tools I tried to use to either assess capability, for example, or work with stakeholders or manage content feedback and all of these different tools and processes that had helped me and I just thought oh, this is a really great toolkit that I could bring together and provide other people going into leadership content leadership for the first time or content ops for the first time with a toolkit of things that they could try to help them solve these blockers and barriers within their organization so it was really just about sharing the knowledge I had and the things that I had found that had worked with other people following in my footsteps or going into similar positions and it was about bringing all of those various things 
together into one place so that people could pick or choose. You know, not everything will work for everybody, but there's something in there. And actually a lot of those frameworks and techniques are not just applicable to content. They would work for UX designers or product designers or anybody trying to align their organization and deal more with the operational side of the craft. Talking a little bit about your career path now. So you've transitioned from individual contributor roles to leadership positions at companies such as BT, Deliveroo and now OVO. So what made you do this shift and what key lessons have you learned along the way? Yeah, I think I quite like understanding how different types of organization operate and the challenges that exist within those organizations. So I have worked agency side doing consultancy and going in as a, a consultant strategist. That was really interesting because again, I got to experience different companies, but as a consultant and as that person who goes in and has the right to say, hey, you should try this because this isn't working very well or you know, here's, here's a thing you can do to help your team perform better or work better. Whereas when you're in an organization, It's, you often don't have that same level of, you know, you don't have the privilege of an external consultant. You're often sort of doing things very differently and trying to incite change from the ground up. So what I found really interesting was the difference between working in 300 year old legacy organizations where you're moving into digital and you're trying to kind of bring the whole company onto this digital transformation journey with you versus working in startups and scale ups and hyper growth scale ups where it's fully digital by nature already it's a tech company but actually even in those smaller tech companies or you know hyper growth startups a lot of the issues are really similar as they are in those big organizations where you're going on those transformation journeys and what that's what I find really interesting is going from company to company whatever the size and whatever the type of company often the issues that content designers face and design teams in general with kind of collaboration and getting the disciplines working effectively together they're pretty much the same they're transferable and that's what I've actually really enjoyed is being able to experience different types of organization but actually ultimately solve similar problems and a lot of the work I've done in those different companies has been fairly similar so it might be things like design practices like building a, a single design practice looking at processes how to content design and research work together it might be putting together role profiles for the teams or it might be assisting collaboration and using kind of workshops and tools to get teams working more effectively together or with product managers. So really a lot of those challenges are similar, even though the organizations are very different culturally. And that's what I quite enjoy is being able to use those transferable skills, but experience those different types of organization, see how they all operate essentially. Amazing. Also leading content and oval collaboration is likely a key aspect of your role. Could you tell us more about your role and how you foster collaboration with your team and what strategies do you employ to ensure a high performing team? Yes, I do love this question because I think there's a lot more that can be done with multidiscipline teams to foster that collaboration. I think one of the first things to do is make sure everybody's aligned on what they're trying to achieve and that they have a shared sense of purpose, they have 
shared objectives. They know exactly what they're trying to achieve. So, you know, even if you bring a, a new product team together and you've got a UX designer or product designer, a content designer, a researcher, a product manager, engineering, do they all have a really clear view of what they're trying to achieve? Do they all have a really clear understanding of what the North Star looks like for that product and what their role is in kind of getting towards that? And actually some of the best and most collaborative teams I've worked on or, or seen have created that vision together. They've worked together to, to understand, you know, what are the goals for that product? How are they going to get there? What do they ultimately want that end product to look like? And then working backwards from that, what are those sort of objectives they're going to put in place to help them get there? How are they going to chunk that up so that they are incrementally working towards that North Star? Once everybody's on the same page, the next thing to do is build trust between each other. And I think there's some strategies you can employ. I think, you know, people talk about having psychological safety in a team. They talk about making sure people are able to speak up and, you know, share what is and isn't working at retros. But people are only going to do that if they ultimately trust each other and know each other. And I think they do really need to get to know each other personally as well as professionally so having social interactions having team building things getting those people working as a team you know functional disciplines actually as people and getting to know each other as people I think once you've built that trust and you've built that camaraderie up people feel like they can be open people feel like they can challenge things they feel like they can have different opinions they feel like they can debate things and so really kind of getting those that team to kind of gel as people before you then get into the actual design work I think it's really important everybody understands their roles and responsibility on the team, who does what and when, when will the team converge, when will they diverge, at what point will they share work with each other or bring work together, at what point will they have stakeholder reviews or product manager reviews, having all that agreed up front, so the roles and responsibilities and how they're going to work together, even sometimes having a team contract that sets out how they expect to work together, when will they meet, how often will they meet, everybody has a really, really clear understanding understanding of what their role is in the team and what's expected of them. And then I think the other thing that's really important is, you know, a lot of teams forget to have retrospectives. They forget to talk about the things that are working and aren't working well. And that's a really good opportunity for things to be improved, you know, ways of working to be improved. And you can even actually do a pre-mortem right up front when a team comes together, where they all project themselves forward in six months time. Imagine the project's gone completely wrong and all say what they think's gone wrong, because that will surface people's fears that will surface people's you know hypothesis about all the things that possibly will go wrong if they can't work in the way they want to work so perhaps the content designer might say oh everything went wrong because I was brought in too late and all I could do was polish up the content I couldn't influence the design at all and the idea of the pre-mortem is you you surface all those kind of fears and then you look at putting things in place to mitigate those things from happening in the first place so I think just having a really clear understanding of what everybody expects from each other and what their hopes and fears are and then creating that environment where they can share what is and isn't working and iterate on that and trust each other to you know take on board feedback and genuinely care about what they're producing and genuinely care about what the results are there's one final thing and that is having a really clear way of measuring the the team's progress I kind of think you know you wouldn't ever have a sports team that were halfway through a match and not know whether they were winning or losing and 
or what the score was. Whereas, you know, often a design team will be doing the work, but they won't actually necessarily know where they are against expected performance or whether, you know, the product is, is tracking in the way it should be tracking. So I think giving people a picture of where they are and where they should be is also really important so they know whether they're on the right tracks and whether they're succeeding or failing as a team. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this. I had many insights. So previously you also worked Flow Health. I'm curious to know how was your experience managing the content design team there because it's a product for women's health. I would like to know more if you could share. Yeah, because healthcare is a really interesting area actually, particularly women's health because you have to do a lot more trust building for people to input data into an app, you know, and particularly around the Roe v. Wade ruling in the US, that became like a real concern for people putting really personal data into an app that is potentially tracking, you know, what they're doing with their body. And, you know, there was this real fear that these kind of apps might be sharing data. What could they trust them? Should they be using, you know, period tracking apps anymore? And one of the things that we did was create anonymous mode so that people could use the app and it would decouple any of their personal identifiers from their data. And that was just one way of reassuring the users. But actually everything we did was about reassurance and everything, all the content we created is about reassuring people and helping them understand their bodies better in a way that, you know, it's building daily habit, but it's also the more you use it and the more data you give the app, the more you learn about yourself. So that's quite hard because you're trying to build a daily habit, but you're also trying to explain to people, you know, the more they put in, the more they get from this, the more they learn about themselves. I certainly learned a lot about, you know, periods and monthly cycles and how that influences everything else from, you know, how you exercise, what you should be eating, your mood. And so it's interesting because really an educational app, it's really an educational piece, but to get people to actually learn about themselves and their bodies, you have to be very reassuring and they have to really trust that they're putting their data in the right place. So that was actually a really interesting content team to manage because of those challenges. We obviously worked very, very closely with medical experts and health experts as well. And again, that's a really interesting dynamic because medical professionals and healthcare professionals obviously have their own often sort of a formal terminology, but that formal terminology actually doesn't really mean anything to the person on the street. So you have to like break everything down into sort of super simple terms. So it's about getting the balance right between being medically and factually correct, but also presenting it in a way that's simple and conversational enough for people to understand it. So yeah, it was a very interesting uh, area to work in. Talking now about Temple, you founded Temple, the community for content design leaders. I would like to know what inspired you to create the community and what value do you think it brings to the content design leadership community? I think this probably stems back. I spent a year or so working at Clearleft, who are a design consultancy, UX design consultancy, and they ran quite a few communities and events for the UX community, but also design leadership. And I realized that there wasn't really much in the way of similar communities for those going into content leadership. And content leadership is arguably smaller than design leadership at the moment because it's an emerging discipline. It's much more prevalent in the US and the UK at the moment, but there was definitely a gap for a community for those moving into leadership. The, I think the content community, uh, I think we face different challenges to design and some of the challenges are quite unique to content 
content design, especially around building advocacy for what we do and how we do it. And things like, you know, fostering collaboration, even things like building teams, like what shape of a team you should have, what should your org design look like? So I used to work with Alice, my co-founder. We used to work together at Clearleft and she was the events director for leading design. And so a few years later, we kind of got together and thought, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we give this a go? So we set, I think it's two and a bit years ago. Oh no, two years ago, we created Tempo and we just organically grew and grew. I think we've got around 450 active Slack users in our community, which, you know, for an emerging discipline, isn't actually too bad considering we've done virtually nothing to to sort of promote this community. We've run a couple of conferences. We ran one uh, this year and one last year, which were really successful. We've got another one coming in 2024. And it's just such a tight knit community of people who can support each other, ask each other questions, get guidance from those people who, you know, might be a little further on in their leadership careers. But just generally, really, it's about support and it's about finding people that are going through the same things that you're going through and having, you know, someone to lean on. People have made friends, found mentors. Um, It's just really rewarding to see everybody there helping each other out and and building that sense of solidarity. And with the ever-changing landscape of technology and design, how do you envision the future of content design and what skills do you believe will be crucial for content designers in the future? I think AI is the obvious elephant in the room. I think content designers will really need to understand what they can and can't use AI for, but they'll also need to understand how to, you know, create prompts, how to write prompts, how to test AI, and how to make sure they're using it to create efficiencies in the teams. I think one of the things I, you know, started to think a lot about recently actually is how can AI be really helpful? Because there's a lot of fear around, you know, AI is going to do all the writing, it's going to steal our jobs. And actually, AI is really good at things with you know, a binary answer, but it's not good with nuance or recognizing emotion or, you know, adapting its voice depending on how a user might feel, for example. And as we know in UX, everything we create is user-centered, but has to adapt. And there might, there's a lot of nuance in what we do. There's a lot of nuance depending on what our users' intentions are, what their emotions are. And the one thing that AI can't really do is understand intent or emotion. So there are certain things that AI isn't going to be able to help us with, but there are a lot of things where it might be super, super useful and it's understanding what that might be useful for. So for example, maybe it can summarize research reports for us. Maybe we can use it to simulate conversation and use that conversation to determine what our interactions are. So there's using it in an ideation way is great. You know, maybe we can use it to stimulate thinking and give us six headlines and that that off that might spin off some more ideas. So there's definitely things we can use it for, but I think content designers are going to have to be really good at determining the AI strategy around content. So I think they need to start figuring out where it can help and where it can't. I think the other thing is content design is a discipline that's growing, but it's also still quite misunderstood. And there are still a lot of organizations that think we're just, you know, copywriters, content designers are just copywriters, when actually most content designers are using UX methodology and they pretty much everything a UX designer might do, they do, but with a content lens. So I think the other thing that's going to happen is there's going to be more of a blurring of lines between UX design and content design. Content designers are often just UX designers with who can write or have a content lens on everything or a communication lens on everything. So I think we're going to start seeing a bit more blurring of lines. And I think that 
that's fine. I think that's okay. We all have our own specialisms. But equally, there are things that we can share, like running workshops, for example. I think that's going to be a change. And then I think probably the other thing that we need to think about going into the future is how do we harness the power of content, not just for the journeys we're creating, but thinking about service design. Content is the thing that strings all of our services across an organization together. So you need to be talking about something in the same way online, on the website, on the app, in your call center, everywhere. So content is the thread that can bridge all of those cross-functional teams together. So I think the other thing we're going to see is start to see more content designers working alongside service designers to get the content across an organization, sort of joining those dots between the content across organizations. And I don't think enough people are thinking about that yet. I agree with you. And for those aspiring to leadership roles in content design, what advice would you give them based on your own journey and experience? Yeah, so I think the difference between being an individual contributor and being a leader is you've got to be able to have a sort of zoomed out enough view to understand everything that's going on, but not get into the detail, not get into the weeds, because as soon as you start getting into the weeds, you get sucked into one project, you lose sight of everything that everyone else is working on. So as a leader, it's less about thinking about the kind of product, the customer facing products so much and more about thinking as your team, as your product, um, how are you optimizing that team? They are your product. You've got to get them working in a way that you've got to create an environment to help them thrive. You've got to get them working in a way that helps all of the products and services across your organization become better, but without getting too invested in the detail of what they're doing. And I think that's really hard for some people to make that move, particularly people who love the craft of writing content or creating content or working on the content strategy or working on the structure of the content. I think it's sometimes hard for them to let that go and think, actually, I've got to leave that alone now. I can have an overview and I can direct people, but I can't get into the weeds anymore because now my product is my team. So I think that's a bit of a mindset shift. And then I think it's also about what value do you bring to your organization as a leader? So beyond your team, how are you going to help your content team do better in the organization? Are you a great communicator? So can you go out and build relationships and advocate for content? Actually, are you really good at managing upwards? And maybe you can like pick off a few of the kind of senior leadership team and think about how you present facts and figures and the value, you know, the real kind of tangible value of content. Like how are you going to help your content team grow and thrive in that organization? And that's about thinking strategically. And that's about thinking about who are the people in the organization that are our content allies. And we can use those allies to almost like amplify our value and amplify how we work across the organization and the things we get involved with and the things we help out with. So one example I can give you is my role leading the content design team that I'm leading with at the moment is to bring all of the content creating people in the organization together to work more effectively together. So that might be people in marketing. It might be people who write our customer communications. It might be people who manage chatbot design or it might be people in our creative studio. So all of those people in the organization, their teams all create content. How do I bring that all together and say, hey, we're all creating content. We need to work more effectively together. So it's a bit more of outreach and a bit more of kind of relationship building than you might be used to when you're a content designer and you're kind of just focusing on this few screens and only having to work with your core team. Your kind of network becomes a lot bigger. I think one bit of advice I would say is start small. Start by maybe mentoring or, you know, finding someone in your organization that wants to learn more about 
about content and start building up to, you know, you don't go from just being an individual contributor to suddenly leading a team of 20. You got to work your way up to it. One of the, the ways you can start doing that is through mentorship. Um, even through mentoring, you know, a UX designer, for example, who wants to learn more about content design or a product designer or a researcher. Also learn more about other disciplines. You know, you might find yourself managing as you go into leadership, you might find yourself managing researchers or product designers as I have. So you need to know enough about how those disciplines work and what their challenges are in order to be able to manage them. So you kind of just have to broaden your horizons and think beyond the content. Think about design in general, think about product in general, think about product strategy. How are you going to help the organization get to where it needs to be through content? And then the other bit of advice I would say is just learn, join things like Tempo, bit of a plug for the community there, but go to events and conferences. Don't feel like just because it's a leadership conference, you don't belong there. Everybody can learn from listening to other people, understanding the challenges that they have as a leader. And that can help you decide whether you think it's for you or not. You might go to, you know, you might go to a conference and come away and think, oh, that, that all sounds awful. I don't want to do that. I'm just happy being an individual contributor. But you can only get that perspective if you're in the right place and you're talking to other leaders and you're understanding what they do and yeah, how their lives have changed since they moved into leadership. And like willing to do a shift in their career, becoming a, a content designer. Also curious to know what have, what helped you in the beginning of your career. I think the thing that helped me most was just learning from other designers. So I think if you can write and you understand the importance of content, you can be a content designer. Like all of the methodologies can be learned. I think you have to be prepared for advocating for yourself and what you do. It's still a huge part of a content designer's role to be saying, I need to have the same context as all the other designers in this team. I need to be in the right meetings. If I'm not involved, it's going to be really hard to create good content. So I think there's a lot of advocating that you need to do. I think there's a lot of relationship building you need to do. We're often going into established teams of product designers or UX designers where maybe they haven't had content designers before and they're not used to working with content designers. So you've kind of got to build those relationships from the ground up and help you know meet people where they are rather than just swoop in and say, hey, I'm a content designer. Everyone's going to go, yeah. So you need to kind of build those relationships as well. But I think all of the other bits can be learned. If you believe in the power of communication and you believe that content needs to be structured effectively and you understand the benefits of good information architecture and message messaging, yeah, content design is probably for you. So just learn. There's plenty of books out there. I definitely recommend strategic writing for UX. Definitely recommend writing is designing. I think they give you a really good idea of the role that content plays in the product design process. And then there's so many great medium articles. There's so many great people you could follow. I don't know where you follow them these days because <laughs> no one's on uh, Twitter anymore or X as it is now. But I would just recommend reading and following people. And as I said before, there's plenty of great content design events like Button that people can go along to and just start absorbing more information about different content techniques. Great. We are close to the end of this episode. Would you like to give a message to the people who are listening to us? Yeah, thank you for listening and getting this far. <laughs> I am always open to people want to reach out to me and ask me for resources or recommendations or I'm always willing to do that. I think the other thing I would just say is if you're a UX designer or a product designer or a researcher, it's everybody's responsibility to care about the content. Even if you don't have a content designer in your team, everybody can pay more attention to content. Everybody can think about the content before they jump into wireframing or sketching. Like, what are you actually 
designing for. If you're a researcher, you can listen out to the language that people use, the terminology people use. I think once you start thinking about the content, your eyes will open a lot more to this sort of thing. So it's all of our responsibility to create better content, not just the content designers. And for those who want to reach out to you, how they can find you? I am on Blue Sky, Rachel McConnell. I am still on Twitter for my sins and I'm on LinkedIn, Rachel McConnell. So I also have a website, rachelmcconnell.me. So yeah, they're probably the best routes to contact me. Amazing, Rachel. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. We ended our chat today with Rachel McConnell, an amazing lady, and we hope you enjoyed it. If you have suggestions, questions, or contributions, please contact us on the website ladiesdaddywack.com. This episode was produced by Ladies Daddy Wax, edited by Luciana Borrasca, and sponsored by Deploy.me, recruiters who specialize in UX designers.